Let us turn in God's word this morning to Psalm 115 and Psalm 116. We read these psalms in connection with the final two questions and answers of the Heidelberg Catechism, which address the final words of the Lord's Prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Psalm 115, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens, he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. For he is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell gat hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. 
What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of the Holy Scriptures unto our hearts. It's on the basis of the Psalms that we have read and many other passages of the Scriptures besides that we find the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52, questions and answers 128 and 129. Question 128, how dost thou conclude thy prayer? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all these we ask of thee, because thou, being our King and Almighty, art willing and able to give us all good. And all this we pray for, that thereby not we, but thy holy name may be glorified forever. What doth the word Amen signify? Amen signifies, it shall truly and certainly be. For my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, these final two questions and answers of the Heidelberg Catechism do not give further explanation of what is God's kingdom, God's power, and God's glory. The purpose of these final two questions and answers is not to give a definition, a precise definition, of what is God's kingdom, power, and glory. The purpose of these final two questions and answers is not to give further clarification about who is included in God's kingdom or to give a systematic treatment of what is the extent of God's power and God's glory. But rather, the purpose for these final two Lord's Days aligns with the purpose that Jesus gave to the final clause of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus introduced the final clause of the perfect prayer with the word for. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And with that one small 
word, Jesus is communicating why the Christian prays unto God. Why is it that we pray, Hallowed be thy name? Why is it that we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Why is it that we pray for the forgiveness of our sins, for daily bread, for deliverance from all evil and from temptation? For, here's why the Christian prays unto God, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The more that one comes to stand in awe of the fact that the kingdom and the power and the glory already is God, the more that that individual wants to go to God and speak to Him. Why pray to God? Because God is King, because God hears, because God is glorious. We use those divisions for the sermon this morning. The Catechism teaches us that we pray unto God, for God's is the kingdom. Answer 128, that is, all these we ask of thee, because thou, being our King and Almighty, art willing and able to give us all good. God is absolutely and without a doubt, this King Sovereign who rules over all things in heaven above and in earth beneath. God not only has the right to claim as his own that which has been redeemed by his Son, Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice upon the cross, but God also has the right to claim as his own everything on this earth as his. The righteous man and the unrighteous man. The church of Jesus Christ and those who repudiate the church of Jesus Christ all are under this kingdom of God. Every blade of grass is God's. Every nation upon this earth belongs unto God. The knee that bends in willing submission unto God belongs to his kingdom. And the fist that is raised in angry defiance against the sovereignty of God belongs to his kingdom. For thine is the kingdom Jesus teaches us to pray, and that word thine refers to the triune God. The kingdom belongs unto God the Father, the kingdom belongs unto God the Son, and the kingdom belongs unto God the Holy Spirit. Not unto us, O Lord, the psalmist pleaded in Psalm 150, not unto us, O Lord, be glory given, but unto thee, that is, unto the triune, the everlasting, the transcendent God. He is the one who claims this kingdom as his own. God the Father claims the kingdom, for he is the creator God. God the Son claims this kingdom, for he is the revelation of God. He is the redeemer of the people of God. And God, the Holy Spirit, 
claims this kingdom, for he it is that quickens the dead. He it is that proceeds as the powerful breath of God. Thine is the kingdom, not an earthly individual, not an earthly ruler. No man claims the kingdom as his own. The angels cannot and do not claim the kingdom as their own. The devils do not hold the kingdom. Thine is the kingdom. The kingdom presently is God's. Thine is the kingdom. It's not that the Christian holds out hope that someday in the future the kingdom will belong to God. But right now in 2024, the kingdom is God's. Sometimes one can be left the impression among certain Christian teachers that it is the duty of the people of God to gain the kingdom for God. God desires the kingdom. God wants the kingdom. And now God commissions you to go out and it is your duty now to gain this kingdom for God. They express the wish, the desire that the kingdom would belong unto Jehovah God, but it depends in a certain sense upon you. You must cooperate with God in order for this kingdom to belong unto God. But that is not how Jesus Christ concludes the model prayer. He states in the present tense, thine is the kingdom. The kingdom is God's even when the opposite, the exact opposite, appears to be the case. Even when wickedness abounds, even when the spirit of Antichrist finds a strong foothold in the world, even when the world gives itself over unto the lusts of the flesh, yet the kingdom is God's. This is the case when things do not go the way that we had wanted them. To go. When we are met with disappointment, with failures, with heartache, thine is the kingdom. When labors in the church do not have the desired outcome, when foreign mission fields close, when evangelism growth seems Stunted, thine is the kingdom. Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. His is not only the kingdom, but also Jesus declares the power. Thine is the kingdom and the power. There are two different words translated in the New Testament which refer to power. The one word translated as power refers to 
authority. It is the right of God to rule over others. But there's another word translated in the New Testament as power, and that word emphasizes might or force. And that's the particular word that's used here by Jesus Christ in this prayer. Thine is the kingdom and the power that is force or energy belongs unto God. To have power is to have the ability to do as one pleases. No one or nothing is going to hold him back to restrain him from accomplishing his good pleasure. Such is God's power. He is not restrained or limited by the wickedness, the evil imaginations of men upon this earth. But our God is the God of unmeasurable might. He calls the things that were not as though they were. He speaks, and the heavens and the earth were created. He spoke again, and the depths of the earth opened up, and water came out and covered the whole face of this earth. He spoke again, and a rainbow was placed in the sky as a testimony of his care and his love for his creation. Thine is the power, Jesus Christ teaches us to pray. Power exclusively belongs unto God. It is not the case that God is very powerful. It is not the case that as we compare the power that God has unto the powers that other individuals have, as we compare his power to the power of angels and unto the power of demons and unto the power of the mighty nations of the earth, that the power of God excels the powers that are found elsewhere. No, thine is the power. Any power that is found is God's power. He has the exclusive claim, the exclusive right unto power. Any power that we see then revealed upon this earth is but a revelation of God's power at work. Even the devil cannot so much as lift up a finger except God give unto the devil power so to do. The power of the sun in the middle of the summer as it scorches the earth and as the plants wither and dry up before the heat of that sun, the sun receives its power from God. The power of rain to come down from the heavens, to soften the soil, to give moisture unto the plants so that the plants grow up and bring forth a crop. That power comes from God. The power that man captures from this creation. The power to send instant messages from one side of the earth onto the other side of the earth. The power that man has to go onto the internet and find so much information there on the world wide web. That power is God's power. This powerful God is contrasted with false gods. In Psalm 115, how weak are these false gods? Verse 4, their idols are silver and gold, 
the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. In distinction, our God is the living, willing, thinking, speaking God. Verse 3, our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. It is to this God to whom belongs the kingdom and the power that we who are Christians pray. We pray unto this God, for we trust this God. You see, prayer is intimately connected to trust. We pray unto someone whom we trust. And if we don't trust that person, then we don't pray to that person. The same is true for us in an earthly sense here below. If there is someone or something that we need, if there is help that we want, we don't turn to someone for help when we have no confidence that they will be able to assist us, but rather we turn for help unto someone who has strength, who has ability who is able to grant unto us that which we ask of them. So it is for us then as we go unto God in prayer. What a powerful motivator that is to seek God's throne of grace regularly in prayer. He is the one to whom belongs the kingdom. He is the one who rules over all things. I can be confident as I go unto him in prayer that he is able to grant unto me what I ask of him in true and living faith. Not only is it the case that God is the one who is evil, God is also the one who is willing to hear what we say unto him in prayer. See, all of this power and all of this kingdom would mean nothing for us if it were the case that God did not listen to the cries of his people. But the catechism teaches us that God does indeed hear his people. It explains that for us, especially in answer 129, which addresses the closing word of the prayer, Amen. Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be for my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. That's what is expressed in this word, amen. It is an expression of confidence that God hears my prayers. He hears your prayers not because of your worth, not because you are so important of yourself that you require or demand God's attention, 
but he bends down his ear to this earth and hears your prayers because of the work of his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus takes the prayers which we offer, oftentimes in weakness of faith, and Jesus Christ takes these prayers and he perfects them, and then presents these prayers unto the Father as a sweet-smelling incense unto the Father. How comforting it is to us who are His children to know that God does hear our prayers. This is what we want of God, is it not? The assurance that God has the time, the care, the willingness to hear what we say unto Him. We've all experienced in relationships on this earth at various times, the pain of having someone not hear what we said unto them. Happens so often, especially in those relationships that are the closest to us in our marriages. One spouse has something that weighs heavily upon the heart wants to share that with the other spouse. But the other spouse is preoccupied with something else and isn't really listening to what is being shared. And then the second spouse gives a grunt of acknowledgement and goes on his or her way. And the first spouse who shared is hurt. Because that spouse does not have the confidence that the other was listening. How great is our God. His is the kingdom and the power. His is the responsibility to uphold by his outstretched arm the heavens and the earth and all that is therein. His is the duty to rule over every blade of grass every whisper of wind, every wave of the sea, and yet he takes the time to hear the cries, the prayers of his people. Who enjoys this confidence that God does hear our prayers? Who may say with the psalmist in Psalm 116, verse 2, Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The reality is, at times we do not always have the full assurance that God does hear our prayers. There could be times where It feels as though perhaps we're only going through the motions. Words are coming off of our lips, and yet we lack the confidence that that prayer accomplished anything. Especially if it is the case that we have prayed, that we have made a specific supplication repeatedly, time and time again, and yet God does not grant that petition, then it can begin to seem unto us as though 
God has not actually heard our prayers. And so who then may enjoy this confidence that is expressed in the catechism? That my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of Him. Two things may be said about the individual who is confident that God hears prayer. First of all, this person desires these things. My prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things. These things refers back to the content of the Lord's prayer. How earnestly do you desire the petitions that Jesus Christ taught you to pray? Do you desire that God's name be hallowed? Do you desire that His kingdom come and His will be done even when His will conflicts? with your will? Do you desire that He give unto you the forgiveness of your sins? That He grant you daily bread? That He deliver you from evil and lead you not into temptation? If there is no desire in our hearts, beloved, for these things, then we will have no confidence that God has heard our prayers. This is a humbling thought for us. How often is it not the case that as we do go to God in prayer that we lack earnestness in praying to God? How imperfect our prayers are. How frequently we become caught up with the cares of this earth and fail to seek the things of God's kingdom. And so we confess with humility of heart that we do have imperfect desires and thus we have imperfect supplications unto God. Which brings us then to the second necessary element of prayer, Who is the one who may have the confidence that God hears our prayers? It's not only the one who desires what Jesus Christ teaches us to desire, but it's also the individual who has faith. Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed By the word of God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is the rewarder of those that seek him through Jesus Christ. Faith gives unto us the confidence. Not only that the kingdom and the power is God's. But faith gives unto us as well the confidence. That God bends down his ear to this earth. And hears the cries of his people. Faith gives unto us confidence 
in Jesus Christ. And so we plead of God, hear my prayer, Father, not because I am worthy of it, not because my petitions and my supplications have been perfect, not because I have remembered everything that ought to be remembered in prayer, but rather hear my prayer for Jesus' sake. That's why we pray to God. He hears us. And then finally, we pray unto this God because He is glorious. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. All this we pray for. Answer 128. All this we pray for that thereby not we, but Thy holy name may be glorified forever. Psalmist, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Glory. He is the God of infinite perfections. Anything good or admirable that could be conceived about God, he already is. There is nothing that mars or diminishes the radiation of the infinite perfections of God. He is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. He is the God whose mercies are new unto us every morning. Great is His faithfulness. He is the God of truth. He is the God of justice. He is the God who stands for righteousness, who upholds His people with the right arm of His own righteousness. He is the God who reveals His glory through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the express image of the Father. Jesus Christ came into this world as the light. He condescended, He took on human flesh, and He suffered all His life long in order that the truth and the mercy of the Father might be revealed unto His people. Behold, the love of God revealed at the cross where Jesus Christ drank the cup of God's wrath even to the bitter dregs thereof. It is through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ that we who are the children of God exclaim, How great is our God! All praise then be unto God. We follow the example of the psalmist in Psalm 116. In this psalm, the writer, the inspired writer, confessed that he was troubled. He was in deep trouble. Verse 3, the sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. What did he find? I found trouble and sorrow. But then in the midst of his trials and his sorrows, he cried out. Verse 4, Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. The Lord heard him 
And the Lord delivered him from his trouble. Verse 5. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. What then will the psalmist do in response to God who delivered him out of all his sorrows and his troubles? Will the psalmist try to repay God what God has given him? Will the psalmist forget about what a generous and gracious gift God has given him? Verse 12, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? This is what he did. Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. May God grant us daily such strength to glorify him. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, how great thou art and greatly to be praised. Thou art the God who is good and who gives unto us to taste of thy goodness toward us. Thou art the God who preserves thy people in their salvation and who will not permit a single one of thy children to fall away from thy everlasting love. That thou sustain us as a congregation be with those who are hurting, those who are sorrowful. Grant deliverance to the oppressed and forgive us our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.